I've never been in a serious car accident, thanks be to God, but there's one time that I thought I came pretty close. It was just as a blizzard was starting as I was driving home on the Mass Pike, and so the roads had not yet been plowed or salted. There was several inches accumulated quickly and very heavy, wet snow. And so uh, at one moment, I just must have uh, hit a patch of something at the wrong angle, and car started to spin in circles on the highway. And it was just one of those moments where uh, in just a few split seconds, you see a lot of things flashing before your eyes, and your main thought is just, oh, shoot, or oh, fill in another word. This situation is completely out of my control, and I can just hope for the best. Luckily, there were no cars around me, and I miraculously did not hit the guardrail, so I just stopped and turned around and kept going. But I'm sure we've all had these situations, and, and even some of those more prolonged moments like that of just, oh shoot, you know, seeing imminent disaster unfold before you, where you think, I'm ruined, I can do nothing about this, but see it unfold. And this is the context in which Jesus first reveals himself publicly in the Gospel of John, the wedding feast of Cana, where they ran out of wine. And in this time, of course, we have to remember there's no such thing as going to the local liquor store late in the evening and picking up some more. This would have been at least maybe a day's journey back to the big city on horseback or donkey, and, and you know, taking several days to get it, at, by which time all of the guests have long gone and are disappointed. And so this is a very serious situation, and they can do nothing about it. So this miracle is what the evangelist John identifies as the first of seven signs in the Gospel of John that is his term for miracles, signs because they point to a deeper reality of salvation. And this first sign, this wedding feast at Cana, is traditionally also understood in the context of the Epiphany mysteries. So when we celebrated Epiphany, we all recall immediately the, the visiting of the three wise men from the East but that mystery actually also encompasses the baptism of Jesus, which we observed last Sunday, and also this event, the wedding feast at Cana. Because each of these three events are where Jesus was manifested to the world in a particular way. And that's the original meaning of epiphany, manifestation. So this was his first public miracle. It's no accident that this first sign takes place at a wedding banquet. And there's so much going on here that we have to understand this story is jam-packed with meaning and symbolism. And first of all, our ears are probably struck by Jesus' words to Mary when she tells him there's no wine. 
And he says, woman, how does your concern affect me? And so we all wonder, naturally, why does Jesus call, address this woman, let alone his mother, as woman in a very impersonal manner? Well, in doing this, Jesus, first of all, uh, displaces himself uh, from this sort of exclusive relationship, this exclusive human relationship of mother to son, because he is anticipating giving Mary to all of us as all of our mother. So she's not just his mother, and he doesn't want to be seen in that exclusive way. And by calling Mary woman, he is now placing her in a much broader context. As woman, Mary is now taking on the role of the archetypal woman who represents all of humanity. And she is now the new Eve through which salvation has come into the world. And finally, we have to look to another event in the Gospel of John, the second of two times where Jesus calls Mary woman. And that is at the end of the Gospel, on the cross. And on the cross, he says, woman, behold your son, to John, and giving all of us to her. On the cross, this is where now the mystical fruit of the vine, this new wine, is poured out for all of us. And so to take that all together, we have at the wedding feast, water becoming wine, at the request of Mary, the archetypal woman, the new Eve, foreshadowing the whole church and her motherhood of all of us. And all of that points ahead to the cross, where blood and water, the fruit of the vine of Christ, is poured out. In both situations, the wedding feast and the cross, we have abundance. At the wedding feast, the gospel tells us that Jesus would have produced about 120 to 180 gallons of wine. That is no small amount, even for a big festive wedding. And then on the cross, we know from uh, the divine mercy prayers, it says that uh, Jesus's blood gushed forth for the whole world, gushed forth, not just dripped in little bits, but gushed in abundance. So to penetrate more deeply this mystery of Cana, we have to look further at the cross. When Jesus was there, St. John tells us that he said, I thirst, as he was hanging on the cross. And so he was given wine soaked in a sponge to drink. And then right after that, Jesus utters his final words in the Gospel of John, which are, it is finished. St. Jerome, who made the first universal translation of the Bible into Latin in the fifth century, 
translated that term, that phrase, to consumatum est, as in, it has been consummated. Not just this singular event is done, but this whole mystery of salvation is consummated on the cross. Consummated just like husband and wife consummate their wedding vows with one another. And so it is at Cana that Christ first reveals himself as bridegroom, the mystical divine bridegroom of the church. And this is one of his primary identities as savior. As bridegroom of the church, he therefore binds himself to us as a spouse. And so we can look at the wedding vows to understand this. Just take the vows that are most commonly spoken at a Catholic wedding ceremony. I take you to be my spouse. I promise to be faithful to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love you and to honor you all the days of my life. I've done a lot of weddings. Those vows that spouses speak to one another, we can imagine Christ speaking to us as part of his mystical bride. That is how he gives himself to us, freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully. So what does this mean for us? That each and every Christian is called to a spousal embrace of the Lord. And so that means that we are also in return called to give of ourselves wholeheartedly to Christ, to converse with him daily, to freely, openly receive love from him each day. At the wedding feast of Cana, the church recognizes that event also as the institution of the sacrament of holy matrimony. And so marriage now in the new covenant is not just the natural good it was before, but it's an efficacious sign of Christ's presence like each of the other sacraments. It communicates grace to the couple. And furthermore, marriage as a sacrament is an image of the union of Christ and the church. So husband and wife are called to image the love between Christ and his bride, the church. It must be acknowledged that for some, perhaps many, that feeling of utter lack of control and weakness pertains even to one's own marriage. Marriage and really any lifelong vocation has a way of exposing one's weaknesses and limitations. It is for sure part of the cross. But whatever that situation in life is of feeling totally beyond one's control, there lies an invitation to call upon Christ as Mary did at Cana. They have no wine, is all she said. With no solution in mind, 
just complete abandonment. Mary, the perfect disciple, is entirely given over to God. Christ, the divine bridegroom, gives himself with overflowing abundance to us, creating something new and better. We supply the water. Christ makes the wine. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.